ride with me in my foul life. Podcast World, what's up? Chad Belling back at you. Here we go again. Wildfowl gear issue. Have you opened your mailbox? Have you been to Walden Books? Have you been to Barnes and Nobles? Have you bought your gear issue yet? The Bible of Duck Hunters, the Bible of Goose Hunters, American Canadian Waterfowlers. They do a great job in all their issues, but the gear issue has become sacred amongst us waterfowlers who love this lifestyle, this culture. And you've heard us say it here before that if we walk into a hunting lodge or a place that specializes in hunting and they don't have at least one wildfowl magazine in the bathroom or on the coffee table they almost lose instant credibility with myself and many other people that we've had on the podcast i'm going to actually ask that question to start today's podcast off today's guests again our co-host from wildfowl brand manager and editor-in-chief mr skip Knoll. skip how are you very good, sir. Um, you'll know when that issue hits your mailbox because it lands with a whomp. A whomp, a whomp. And we're very blessed today to have two gentlemen back on the podcast that you've seen on The Foul Life. You've seen them on Realtree 365 app on their own show, The Honey Break Experience. You've actually heard them both here on episodes with each other, episodes with Leith Lofton, episodes about the great place that they get to hunt at Honey Break in Louisiana. Drew Keith, the general manager of Honey Break, and Jared Moffitt, which I consider like the Renaissance man. The more I learn about Jared Moffitt, and I think Drew will attest to this, he hunts as much as anybody in America, and he never has missed a day, I believe, in 20 years, but we're going to get to maybe he missed one day in 20 years. Jared Moffitt, Drew Keith from Honey Break, Louisiana. Welcome, my friends. Thank you. Good to be here. Jared, am I on? Was I right on that? Was it one day that you've missed in 20 seasons? I know that you and Drew started together back in the day, even before Honey Break. Just give us the rundown of the early days of you and Drew guiding hunters and hunting that area of Louisiana, and then how it started with Honey Break. Well, we've been guiding together for 26 or 27 26 years. Seasons now. 26 seasons, and no, I don't like to miss any days. You know, a day, day I miss is a day I may not learn something. I'm just as eager to see one fall. November the 22nd or September the 13th, opening day of teal season, I was when I started 26 years ago or 35 years ago as a kid. But uh, I don't like to miss many days, none, if I can help it. But every once in a while, it could be a funeral or something that they schedule at 10 in the morning, not 2 in the evening. you got to go to it. So every once in a while, it's just something you have to do, but you hate to do it. But it's been a long time since we missed a day of season. And, and I don't brag about that. It's just – some days I may not even hunt. I'm just out there just watching and scouting and looking just every day I go to learn something. If I learn well, something. I, I, I heard a rumor, Jared, that Drew Keith has actually already let everybody know at Realtree and the other partners that y'all work with it, that Jared will be attending SHOT Show in January of 2021 instead of Drew so he can hunt and you're going to Vegas. That's where he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, yeah. you never said that? Yeah, we're trying to get shot to move to uh, Louisiana again. Yeah, they need to be back in New Orleans so y'all can just drive down there for the day and be back after the morning hunt. Skip, I've been talking to you about my experiences down at Honey Break and why I wanted to have these two gentlemen on this episode. As we as we navigate our way through the giant gear issue of 2020-21 duck and goose season, 
um, I wanted to call on these guys because of their extensive experience and knowledge of what it takes to breed that consistent success, not just for themselves personally, not just to put food on their family's table, but to make sure that they provide an experience and a, uh, uh, you know, you always hear the hunt of a lifetime and that gets thrown around a lot. But when you go down to honey break and everything from the welcoming, the red carpet to the lodge, to the food, to Miss Shelley and the recipes and the dining accommodations to the music, to the four wheeler. I've always said how immaculate their Polaris are. It's absolutely amazing to see the operation down there, Skip. And that's before the freaking hunt even starts. That's before you go on a 15 minute UTV ride. Then you get in an awesome boat with a gator tail motor on it and you take a really cool boat ride out to a garage, a blind that's actually got a boat garage on it, Skip. I don't know if you've been down there. If you haven't, please do so. But these guys hunt with so many different people throughout the year and they're dependent on gear every single day. So I wanted to call on Drew Keith and Jared Moffitt, Skip, to to educate us a little bit on what is it that they have? Why do these duck hunters depend on wildfowl to teach them about this type of gear? And do these professionals that depend on the gear really use it? Or is it just something that you fill your page as a wildfowl to get an advertiser to get a full, a full page ad in there? I don't think that's the case. These guys are actually using the gear that we're going to discuss today. So Skip, I'll uh, let you start it off a little bit about what's going on with the gear issue and what kind of accessories we can expect to see in it. And then we'll go into what Drew and Jared are utilizing every day for their success at honey break well i'm actually really relieved to hear that drew's not going to be at shot show possibly this year because uh i never see him coming he's a huge powerful man i generally get a back cracking smack on the uh, rib uh on the back of the ribs or he picks me up with one arm or something um so i look forward to not being bushwhacked this year but um, I've got, I have been to Honey Break many times, and uh, every time you're there, you just marvel at the place and the experience and the immersion in waterfowling. And what I really like about Honey Break is it provides you so many other opportunities besides just duck hunting to see why Louisiana is a sportsman's paradise and, and is billed as such. I had a surprise deer hunt on, after an insane morning of shooting canvasbacks and cover shots um, down there for Gunner Kennels and Addison using Lee Joe's, uh, his his photography. And that same day, I went deer hunting. And, um, and at the time before that, I was down there with Drew, with Adam Vinatieri, the highest scoring football player of all time, running around chasing wild pigs. And it's just an amazing place. But um, it, it, in that um, vein, you can say that there's probably nothing they don't use from knives to, you know, every kind of lanyard. You could tell from um, Drew's iconic hat, he has this distinct preference there. Um, and, you know, they know whether a blind bag is, is BS and, you know, if it doesn't have a rubber line bottom or it doesn't float or a gun case, it doesn't float because they hunt water, they hunt everything there. It's just like you said, um, you know, the dog's going to be beside you shaking off. I hope uh, to hear a little bit more about Storm, if you still have him, Drew. That was that's an amazing Labrador you have. Well, yeah, I don't know Storm. What what I thought, what was the dog's name that we hunted with? He thought, yeah, Chance hunted with me, like, was this a third or fourth year? He's like... <laughs> Man, that Thor, what an awesome name for a dog. Yeah, it's a pretty good name. This dog's name Storm. <laughs> because I talked so fast, you thought I was saying Thor. Thor. No, Storm. Oh, God. Thor. And Storm is an absolute. I mean, every dog that, I mean, you know, I don't know if everybody knows the success that Moffitt's had with, with SRS and his dogs. And, and, and I don't know. I don't know uh, if people understand the reason why 
one of the rules at Honeybreak is that you don't allow clients to bring their dog. I don't know if that's fair to say, Jared Moffat. I don't know if they're not allowed, but I think it's recommended not to. And it's mainly, let me paint my picture of why from what I've seen down there. Skip, these decoy spreads are gigantic. They, um, they, there's, there could be, you know, seven, eight, 10 dead ducks at a time. What Drew and Jared do with their dogs is a freaking like a surgery room, right? They're out and back and ready for the next flock. They'll pick up seven, eight ducks in a heartbeat and they don't need a lot of ducks going and messing with the decoys and swimming through them and tying up lines. These dogs that they have are proficient in the way that they hunt there. Is that fair to say, Drew and, and Jared? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. On job experience and a lot of it. And it's not a rule you can't bring your dog, you just got to pay for it. We tell most of them. And we do allow some people to bring them that, that pay the fee. But we've been over the years and seen a lot of dogs. It's not that they weren't nice dogs and great dogs. They had a lot of a lot of titles under their name, but they just hadn't been in them blinds and seen them. So it goes back to the basics of, of dog training, the socialization. Just like with your kids. You don't if you don't introduce them to everything at an early age. Then, then they don't know what's going on, or even even a, a, a four year old dog, you know, or storm. You know, when I first got storm, we went on a little dove hunt, and you know, more playing and loving just to get to know each other, and then you know, take him to every one of the blinds, getting used to it, going up and down the dog ramps. You know, that's just that's just stuff people. A lot of times they overlook. We talk about it all the time on our on our dog tips and stuff. Uh, you know, you take a five time grand champion who goes and makes four runs, you know, picks up some marks and picks up a blind and comes back and honors a dog and. And then he goes back to the trailer. Well, if you got there and see, you know, 250 decoys and six shotguns going off, you just blew that dog's mind. You know, it's not the it's not the dog's fault. He just never seen that. So that, that's the biggest thing is the OJT. You know, the, that that experience. Um, Safety of, too. Right. I remember Landon had a dog that got his ear shot off. Got it, got his, he, the more dogs, the more prone they are to breaking. And it's boss, boss is still running with us. And that's and that's you said. You know, you said. OJT on the job training. I assume that stands, that is what that acronym stands for. And I truly believe that. I think that this polished of a machine as you guys have there, that's, it's, it's, it's evident that the pieces of the puzzle have been finally put into place. There's not just slammed together. And I mean that you guys run an amazing operation that a lot of people would be like, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's cool. They got a nice lodge and good food. And I'm talking from A to Z skip. And you, you can validate that as well. Knowles is that they got it going on down there. But one of the main things that keeps you guys successful Moffat is your organization. Organization is the key to success. I've been taught that since the ninth grade. If you can stay organized, even like if you're in the greatest kitchens in the world and you're with, if you're with Wolfgang Puck, you know, a top line chef, he'll tell you, He's got people around him to clean up when he's done doing this part and he's on to this next part and the knife's right there and the onions are here and the garlic's here. Like they're organized, right? That's what breeds success. And that's what honey break is. It's like a operating room. It's like being on the best sail fishing boat in the world when you're kite fishing and you're looking for sails in there and you're landing sails. That's what honey break is to me when it comes to waterfowl hunting, the entire experience. But the gear that you use, are you dependent on it? Is it something that you take for granted and you just have a lanyard here with a couple calls? Are you tuning your calls? Are you making sure your batteries are charged? Are you making sh- I mean, everything down to the coolers with the bar- breakfast burritos and the Dr. Peppers and everything is just so itemized out. And the Jack Link's jerky. Jack Link's jerky, Troy, if you're listening. But Jared, you know what I'm saying? That Tell me how important organization is to your daily success. It, it, go, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. I mean, you, we, we, uh, we control 
everything we can't control. You can't control the weather and you can't control the ducks. You can't control the, uh, the, the water when it gets, you know, uh, uh, a drought season or you can't control it whenever it's flood season. So you have to do your best to manage all that stuff. So we control everything that we can from the, from the time you get there to the blinds to make sure the equipment, well, you, you can't, you can't have a, uh, a ranger axle go out or something like that. You just can't have, you know, you know, not top of the line stuff. So it's, it's all got, and it goes back from, from the coolers to the, to the blinds to, to everything, you know? Um, and I, and I appreciate you saying that, you know, it, it runs like it's an operating room, but it, you know, you've been there enough behind the scenes on a two or three day hunt to see, you know, it's controlled chaos. We, one of our, one of our uh, mottos is never let them see you sweat. So we, it is a lot of stuff that goes on. You know, what is your other at the, mo- at the, at the duck shed? <laughs> you know? What is your other motto though about preseason and in the off season? The key to a good hunting season is a better off season. I love that, and I think that when you were talking right there, I was I was kind of picturing my last hunt there, and the, just the amount of freaking fun we had. I, I don't know if you could get more Razin and, and Leith Lofton and, and the Troy Lynx and how quick we, we talked about this with Vandemore a little bit ago about how fast you become friends with somebody in a duck blind. And I, I don't know, it probably took about 35 seconds for everybody to, you know, Drew and, and, and Troy were at each other's throat and, and Jared's kind of over there in the, in the corner, but he'd throw one in here, a little jab here and there. And then all of a sudden it's like cell phones are exchanged, pictures are being exchanged, and memories are being made, and stories are being told. Jarrett, give me an idea, because I remember watching you go through a sequence of preparation that you do every morning. First off, you're the head guide. You're the guy that kind of points the guides in the direction that they're going to go the next morning. You and Drew work together on this. Maybe give us a little back background of what you do. Your position is there. And then let's roll into a gear list because that's what this, this, this wildfowl, this, what we've called the Bible of duck and goose hunters has become. I truly think, and I don't use that term lightly. I always say that because I understand religion. So I don't just throw around the word Bible, but it really has become that sacred to duck and goose hunters to get this in their mailbox. So what do you do, Jared, for honey break and, and let's start off with some of the key components of gear that you have in your bag and what kind of bag you use for that matter. Yeah. Well, to start off with, uh, as Drew said, the key to the season's off season. Teamwork makes the dream work. And uh, we've got some great hands and great guides. We've probably got the strongest group of guides that we've ever had. They're strong. We all get along great in this teamwork. And there's no such thing in this business as I, because we all do it together. Everybody puts in what they have to put in. And I explained to that there's no place in the country I know that, that they could go work and have as good as gear and equipment as they got. And we're lucky to work for a place like that and have the right people to give it to us and the owners and the general managers and the CEOs that take care of us. If we need it, we get it. And as I've always said, for 60 days, I just say 60 days, but we don't have no room for mistakes and our guides know that. So we get to run the, try to run the best equipment, the best of all of it, because we don't want no mistakes. That's from a boat to a UTV to, to our mojos, to our gear, to our dogs and everything's worked on all season to get ready for that, 60 days of going hard. And uh, what I do there is uh, I'm a habitat manager and I play with the dogs all the time. And just every day I try to make it. So if this blind shot this many last year, I'd like to shoot one more the next year out of it. Just improve, improve, improve. And no matter how good it was, just be a little bit better the next year. And it's a big piece of property and you never, you never caught up, but you just work hard and what you put in, it's what you're going to get back out of it. And I, always say it's one of the best places in the world to hunt and uh not no place like it that i've ever been to 
And, yeah, and uh, I, th- you know, I think I think I think one thing that I want to touch on, Jared and Drew, is we've we've mentioned decoys, we've mentioned UTVs, we've mentioned boats, the big picture stuff, right? You got your gun. I know what gun you guys shoot. I know what ammo you guys shoot. I let's talk about the components that might not be looked at as as important as your super black Eagle three, your Polaris Ranger, your boat and, and motor, right? What let's start with when we leave, when we leave the, 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 the lodge, we're headed out to the boat ramp in a UTV. So this is a very key deal of, of having our gear organized because timing's everything. You can't have a guy that's got stuff throwing on all over, which we saw that last year with Artie when he couldn't even figure out how to put his waders on at first because he woke up a little late. But the organization, right? So you, we've mentioned this bag many times in the last year amongst us three by Banded, this backpack, right? So I, you guys use this backpack. It's very- I'm a backpack guy. I'm a backpack guy too. So let's start with our backpack. Skip, are you a backpack guy? Absolutely. I found out long ago they'd give me these um, a lot of a lot of trips. They give me these little blind bags and stuff. And when you got a camera, a thermos, a spare jacket, a place to put the jacket when it gets warm, and on and on stuff for your dog. Yeah, the, the, your average blind bag needs to be a suitcase for it to work, and and then it's hard to carry. You know, so yeah. I'm a backpack guy from way back. Yeah, some of the new ones have good places for your shotgun shells and everything. Gun slings are wonderful. Okay, so Jared, going off of what Skip just said, and we've agreed that we like backpacks. I, I like a blind bag. I use blind bags a lot of the times when I'm field hunting. Um, easier for me to hide and, and, and keep a you know kind of in the in the right spot. And I don't I don't have nearly as much stuff in the field as I do when I'm hunting over water. Um, what would you say is on the top of, or the tip of your tongue right now, Jared Moffat, that's in this backpack when you leave the lodge? When I leave the lodge, I'm going to have around 42 to 50 items in that backpack. But the first thing, you know, and I do, I just, I got a routine that I go through every evening. And then that morning, you spend in our guide room, our lockers is there, and everything's neat and organized and hung in the right place. But that blind bag's going to have the duck calls and the side pocket is going to have an extra set of duck calls. And that's the whole waterfowl calls from a six in one whistle to a spec call to a teal call, the whole setup that you use every day. I'm going to have an extra one in there just in case something happens that I did make a mistake and forget it. I'm going to have an e-collar in there for my dog and I'm going to have uh, my dog whistle, but I'm going to have two extra dog whistles in there. I'm going to have two sets of gloves, a set of decoy gloves and a set of uh, regular gloves. But I'm going to have... Because it gets a little cold. Yeah. I'm going to have a rag in there to wipe my hands off. I'm not going to leave it. And then I'm going to have an extra white ca- white rag in there to make a cast to a dog if you're in the shadows. You know, and I got a list here of this 42 things that I had in my blind Wait, bag. Wait, say that again. 42. 42 items from zip ties to electrical tape to bandages to a tool set. And we're lucky where we hunt because we, we're on private land. That's what we, I was talking we about. hunt a lot of the same blinds every day that are real productive. So in these blinds, we have a dry box or a shelf, too, that's got gun oil on it, in it, extra batteries for mojos, extra mojo parts, uh, uh, decoy twine for jerk strings. So where we're, we're used to carry first aid kits and tool kits uh, in our backpacks or hunting public land or whatever, uh, now we have, we have the, the tool kits in the boat, the first aid kits in the boat. There's one in the Ranger, same way, and there's there's a first aid kit in the blind. Why all the them. why all the extras? Do do pros even drop their duck calls or forget something once in a while? So you always have a backup. That's right. Or you get there and you got a buddy in the blind, which are two guides. One of say, oh. I forgot my calls. You may not have made the mistake, but he may make the mistake. 
Yeah. Same thing as a dog whistle or something. You say, oh, I forgot my dog whistle. You reach in that bag and say, we all use the same one. Here, use this one and keep it. And it's just – And look, it, it could be on the way to the blind. That some, one of the guys calls Jerry and say, look, uh, hey, I left – you know, it, this is weird. <laughs> I left my calls. Here, but you got that You got that backup out there. Uh, it might be where, oh, I left my dog collar. Or my dog collar is dead. Forgot to put it on charge. Whatever. That's that's the controlled chaos. That's behind the scenes that you don't see. Uh, that we make everything go smooth. You know. And when when you start talking when you start talking about the the dog collars and everything that's in that bag, this becomes a nightly ritual all all of a sudden. Also, right? Because now you got to unpack stuff to recharge so you don't it. Put every, clean you don't it. put everything in there that night. Then you might change, oh, we've changed blinds, so I, don't, I know I don't need that. That stuff in that blind, so you can take some of that stuff out of your blind the next morning. And then, and then sometimes you might be going to a mallard hole to where you're going to be hanging your bag, but you might not you're have take a lot of stuff out of your blind. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a little bit lightened up, but you're not going to need as much. But now back to the list of 42, 42 items in this, in this backpack. This seems like a lot to me. But it's, so, a lot, it's a lot for the clients. So like face paint and, and a face mask for the clients. You know, we're not going to do that, you know, but we know how to sit still and look under the brim of your hat. That's why I wear that round hat. So I look under the brim at, at my ducks. Well, they're like, man, oh, why are they flying away? Well, hey, try this face mask on, buddy. During COVID, people are going to wear masks a little bit easier for you, Drew. Right. That's right. And it's a lot of them are just small items. You know, I'm going to have at least one set of sunglasses in there, maybe two. That's one thing I do like about that banded bag. It's got the place for you. I'm going to have at least one bottle of Tylenol or some kind of medicine in there. I'm going to have, you know. Earplugs for your client. Earplugs, a little thing of banded drought for if a dog or a client cuts his finger on a gun or a malfunction or anything like that. If if you need it, I'm going to try to have it in that bag. Early till season, you're going to have – off. Uh, you're off, you're going to have a, uh, a thermosail. <laughs> you're going to have to have all that good stuff. Yeah, so you're, I mean, you're covering the whole gamut from first aid to mosquito right. repellent. And then all of a sudden you have another living organism in the blind with the dog. Give me an idea, Jared, of, of some of the things in there besides the e-collar and the remote. That Are there dog snacks? Are there are there medicines? for? Is there stuff that's in there specifically for your dog? Well, mostly for my dog in there. I'm going to have the whistle, as I said. I'm going to have an e-collar. A lot of times I have an extra e collar, but I'm gonna have a supplement for. I keep the two of that. What's that? Uh, Ultra gel. Ultra gel. A supplement. Some kind of supplement for. Years ago, we just used honey for sugar. You know, and stuff. So if that dog in in cold weather or lots of retrieves or whatever, you got something to get its blood flow back and get him back going. We're always gonna have a. Some guys use a jar of peanut butter or a honey bun, but we're gonna have some kind of supplements for our dogs. And a lot of them are in the blinds in the drive box. You know, but you're gonna have a, one thing—a bandage route in case you get a cut on a dog or something. And that's where I'm saying we're lucky. A lot of that stuff we don't have to just pile in our blind bag because we have them in every individual blinds. As you've seen, they're pretty large blinds, so you've got a dry box or a shelf and all that stuff. So the last time it snowed was like 1991 or '93, and then Chad comes in there the first time it snows. I say, "Hey, man." Just letting you know, this is this is not normal. I know it is where you are, but this is not normal for us. We had airboat throttle cables were frozen, boats uh, or steering cables were frozen. I mean, just breaking ice. So two years in a row, he's come down here and it snowed and, or, or iced up. And so back to the dog, you know, uh, you got to pick it up. You know, we got a big group going out on, on one of your hunts, and, and you know, you're picking up 36 to 48 ducks, and, and you know, trying to keep your dog warm. That's why I keep that. Uh, 
sup or whatever that supplement is there to get to give them a little shot to keep that metabolism up. Good thing about that. The thing about that is the gators aren't out, or at least they're really slow if they yeah, are. That's exactly right. That's exactly. Is that another yeah. reason? Is that another reason you don't let uh, discourage clients from bringing in dogs? I know you've got some no, the, gator stories. No, the, the main thing is the main thing is just uh, the socialization. I mean, look, it was just like Chad first time he came here. You know, he didn't know when to call the ducks to call the shot, and, and, and usually it's call. So it's just socialization. You got to get used to it. And since then, Skip, I want you to know that now Jared points out that Chad will call the shot on every flock because of the footage that we get. Are you wearing shorts, Drew? Did you, well, yeah, see those, did you see those thighs right there, Skip? Yeah. Never, never seen them without camo. It's 106 degrees down here with this humidity right now. It's oh. heat wave. Yeah. So you, with, it's, with, a, it's a three outfit day if you go outside here. Sweating. Yeah. Just yeah. sweating. I, th- I, think that, I think that the main thing that I'm getting out of this is the secret to success, Skip, is organization. And I'm picturing Jared on a – on a Monday night, is there a transition day to where there's no groups or is it seven <laughs> days a week? Seven days a week. Seven days a week. So think about that, Skip, the organization that it takes with the tiredness, the early mornings, the late nights, the scouting. It's not easy to to stay that prepared and that organized. And that's the mindset. It's 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 the it's the execution after the pre-gaming and you know and putting into putting the game plan into into effect and that's what honey break does and um when you're going through this gear issue when to everybody out there listening look at what these guys are talking about i mean they're talking it they're talking about these items in skips magazine down to a detailed t crossing their t's and dotting their i's the night before every single hunt and these guys are they're pros so if you're going to be successful at this game that's what we want to get out of this right skip is for the listener to to say man i'm going to start doing a better job of getting my blind bag or my backpack the night before and making sure that i'm covered whether it's extra stuff like moffitt keeps talking about whether it's supplement like Drew talks about for his dog whether it's whether it's a, a pair of sunglasses how important is eye safety it's huge ear hearing safety everything that we take for granted on a hunt everything that i've watched drew and jared do over the last five years and in the success we've had down there and the stories that we've written down there is due and is 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 parlayed because of preparation skip and organization that nobody sees you don't see Jared late up at night. I don't even know if you've ever even filmed that for the Honey Break experience of Jared putting everything into his backpack for the next morning hunt and the execution and the in the planning that that takes. I think that that is key in the success of Honey Break. Well, it's and, only a twenty six minute episode, so you can't you don't have time to do it. Can't, yeah, I'd probably take, take up the whole deal. You'd have to put a, you'd have to put a one of those really fast time lapses on it. Yeah. But I think that that's yeah. what I'm getting out of this, guys. Is that that you everybody sees a blind bag and everybody's carrying one out there and you pull the lanyard out of it but what else is in there what else do we have in there i mean i got things down in there that are multi-tools and knives and snacks and jerky you like we, you we got all that in there. you gotta have that okay so let's go through it let's go through it we don't have to discuss them but let's go one through 42 is that is that fair skip to to listen to the honey break gear list going into this ep, into the into opening up the gear issue I love it because uh, they're, they're covering all the hardcore stuff. Like, I carry a gun tool and I carry binos because I'm a duck queer and I want to see everything out they're there. On the, they're on the list. Yeah. <laughs> I can go through it right quick. Yeah. No, but, you don't have to go quick. Just yeah, go, yeah, just, yeah. just name them yeah. off. I want to hear what every, yeah, I want to hear. You don't have to go into detail. Just, just, just yeah. right. Well, we, we mostly we carry a banded air dry, air dry backpack. 
you know, for it's got all the pockets, the side pockets, the sunglass holder. I mean, it's right. It's built right. It's a good piece of equipment, you know. In our blind bag, we're going to have an e-collar for the dog. We're going to have our duck calls, which is all our waterfowl calls, from the spec call to the blue wing teal call to the six-in-one whistle. We're going to have an extra full set of them in a pocket somewhere. We're going to have a face mask or face pant paint for our clients, you know, if they need it. We're going to have a, a duck tote to put our birds on. We're going to have an extra duck tote. I carry two duck totes and an extra in the side pocket. We're going to have, you know, at least a set of gloves, two sets of gloves, and some decoy gloves. We're going to have medicine in there for the dog and the clients, which could be aspirin or Tylenol or whatever, probably some kind of antibiotic ointment or Neosporin. You're going to have chapstick in there for we're going to have electrical tape. We're going to have a bandage route for a dog or a cut finger or a cut arm. It's going to be a first aid kit in most in every blind or the boat, so that's going to be with us. We're going to have a tool set, which is going to – everybody's got their own little tool yeah. set. It's an eight-inch crescent, a pair of pliers, two screwdrivers, but the boat's going to have a dry box in it. It's going to have a full tool set. So you got back. You're going to have a pocket knife. You're going to have zip ties. You're going to have gun oil. You're going to have dog whistles and two extra dog whistles. You're going to have a set of earplugs. You're going to have a rechargeable spotlight with flashlights in there with it. You're going to have, as I carry, a small towel because your hands are wet all the time to keep them dry and warm and also to cast your dog with. I carry a white one for long retrieves. So, but the keep in there. It's a white rag. I don't name that. You name your plugs? Yep. Earplugs. Off, bug spray. Yep. We're going to have off and bug spray, insect spray yeah. right there for off. We're going to have dog supplements, something just so if your dog gets down or, or needs a little energy or something like that, is give it something to put in its body. We, we pack a tube with us. We're going to have a few extra mojo parts with us, probably in the blind, in the dry box, or we're going to have them in our bag, you know, with batteries, one extra battery at all times for a mojo in the blind and one in your blind bag poster, just in case you hunt till 11 and one goes down. We're going to have it. That's when Chad steps on the wings, you know, yep. on the, on the or if something happens to one in the boat, somebody <laughs> steps on it or something. We're going to have a, a lighter or two in our bag in case having to light a heater or just anything happens, you need a fire. It's going to be in there. We're going to have uh, two sets, a set of sunglasses in there, the two sets of we usually have a bottle or two of water in there, but we're lucky and we take out ice chest, as you've seen every day, a cooler that's got breakfast burritos, waters, jerky, hand warmers, everything's in there. But we're going to have hand warmers in our blind bags, you know. And as I said before, uh, we're going to have most people going to have a roll of toilet paper in there. So. He looked, at, he looked at Drew and he said that. <laughs> Insurance papers. Yep. We're going to have, a, we're going to have, all of us is going to have probably. 10 bird tags in our bag with ink, pen, and markers to tag our birds if we separate or come out different or whatever to tag our birds when we leave. We're going to have, uh, you know, we're going to have a set of binoculars in there for looking out for lone cripples or watching geese across the tree line. You can just hand them down the blind and let people look through them and use your binoculars. And uh, you're going to have plenty of shells. We're going to pack what we think we're going to need to shoot our limit and uh then we're gonna have an extra box or two in case yeah. or group for of clients, to bring 20 gauge with them you know and that's what we do we lucky enough to have the big blinds we may have a case set off back to the side a few 20 gauge shells in there a few 12 gauge different sizes and loads and all that stuff so uh we're gonna have a little roll of garbage bag most guys gonna keep two heavy duty garbage bags in his blind bag and then a full roll in each blind for cleaning up or picking your holes lots, and trash of, lots of issues you can use you know, and we're talking about this. Hey, if I was public hunting 
and I wasn't going to the same blinds, 50 different blinds daily that's got all, or in a year and it's got all that, you may have a compass in there. You got a GPS, you got maps. I'm going to have technologies different now, but I want every one of my guides, they can look it up at their, on their phone, but I want them to have a regulation pamphlet in there. So if something just that they show, I was hunting in Mississippi last year, and can you kill two canvasbacks in Louisiana this year or one? They can look at that and make 100%. They know that anyhow, but if a client or something says, well, I thought it was two. No, it's one. It's right here. I just pulled it out and showed it to you. So that's about 40-something items right there that's in my blind bag. It's uh, I, I love hearing hearing the list and when a few of them stuck in my head the the totes and the game tags. A question on so your toilet uh, paper toilet paper's got a circle around it, number twenty eight. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you we can tell s- jokes about that, but we're not going to discuss all that. Uh, I, I love those baby kind of wipes stories. and acid wipes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How important we we've talked about earlier. I do Skip. I do need to tell that story well, real quick. So this guy it was New Year's Day, and these two kids. Uh, dad was supposed to come. Dad didn't come. Whatever whatever happened, couldn't make the trip. He brought his other eighteen year old buddy with him. Well, they uh, enjoyed the festivities a little too much on New Year's Eve, and so they were going with me. So Mississippi had been going with me. So I I'd be keeping uh, uh, you know. The um, acid wipes, Windex, the wind, uh, with uh, ammonia, ammonia wipes to wipe the blood off the deer for shooting the, the recovery. Well, I walked across there, dropped them off, put them in the blind, walked all across. It's rutted up, way bad, rutted up in the south hole. And, I, and I'm easing back across there. I get to the blind, dude's like, hey man, you got any toilet paper in that bag? That bag's heavy. Yours. I know I don't have any in here, but I've got some in the buggy. I, I, I got, so I go back and get it for you. It's kind of rough. Oh, I got, I can't make, I can't wait. I gotta go. So he across the things, falls in a couple of times, gets over there. He comes back walking real slow. Oh, what's God. going on? I, I said, there's some wet ones in the, in the he, no, he said, he said, what kind of wet ones did you have? And I said, I don't have, I've had toilet paper. I didn't have, <laughs> those were ammonia wipes. <laughs> <laughs> I get back, I get back after the hunt and he used the whole bag of, of wet white windex white with ammonia <laughs> it was burning down there <laughs> oh my gosh you know his backside had never been so clean though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no watermarks yeah. at all uh-uh. how, how important jared we, we talked about earlier in a, in a podcast about mentorship and and recruiting new people into this game and one of the things that's tough about waterfowling is what you touched on with the laws, the regulations, the licensing, the limits in Mississippi compared to a neighboring state of Louisiana. Arkansas is different. Missouri, Southeast Missouri is different. You travel from state to state. You guys hunt Louisiana pretty much the entire year, but you guys travel also for turkeys. Uh, well, at least Drew does. Jared wouldn't walk across the street for a turkey or a 195-inch whitetail. If it, if it ain't a duck, it ain't getting killed by Jared Moffitt um, unless his family's hungry. But Jared, it, what? Give me some insight on why the tags, why all the duck straps, why is there such thing as a possession limit in the blind? How does all of that work? And is that the guide's responsibility or is that each client's responsibility to know what they're shooting and when they've reached their limit and such? Is, is that dictated in the blind by the blind leader or the head guide? If that's what they're paying us for. That's if why they the, come the, in there. The client, it goes down to the client, but a lot of clients you know, are, are first-time hunters. And or, or don't know about you know this that and other. So it's legally, 
we just don't want to have any – we don't want to be in the gray area because game wardens have a lot of gray area. And so if we can do anything to be ahead of that curve, to be in the, in the black, you know, or black and white, you know, we want to, we want to be in the, we want to be on the upside of things and, and not have anything, anything left to question. We actually took Dave Royal, you know, a retired federal game, a game war, federal agent, uh, and big time dog trainer now, uh, took him hunting. Was it year before last? Two years. And he was like, I bet y'all don't ever see the game war out here. He said, you know, I'm a retired federal agent. And said, uh, you know, from the t- from you not blowing your duck call, from you not letting us load the guns up until shooting time, uh, to, to uh, who killed that duck and putting it on a separate lanyard with that. that so this red red is going to be Dave's, blue is going to be Drew, yellow is going to be Jared, uh, green is going to be Chad. Everybody gets their ducks going on, on a different strap, being legal, and that's that's something that we uh, over strive to to uh, to make sure there's not any kind of gray area because so, you, so can, skip, you can get them by. Skip if you, and if you leave, if so, so if we leave. And all the ducks go on my ranger, out with oh, me, yeah. just me and you. And there's ten other guys that that were in there with us. And we have we have a twelve possession limit. And we riding out. If we get pulled over, all those ducks have to be tagged, or we're liable because we shot them over the limit. So tagged with eight, each separate hunter's name and license number and everything. Right. Yeah. Now, what makes waterfowling so spectacularly fun and interesting and compelling is that uh, you know the myriad of species. It also creates the big challenge um, in keeping everything straight, especially if you have an overcast sky. It's 20 minutes past shooting light, and you're looking at black silhouettes going by. It's so wing beats and silhouettes. Wing beats and silhouettes. What we've t- what we touched on in the past, Skip, is is how important what Jared and Drew does, right? How important is this ability for a father to take his son and see it done right? Skip, answer that question. How important is it for that guy to come out of North Carolina, South Carolina. They've been walking creeks for wood ducks for eight years. They finally get a chance to come to Louisiana and see mallards and sprig and widgeon and teal and canvasbacks. Do it like ducks do on a sunny day with a 15 mile an hour breeze, sun at your back. How important is it for that kid and that dad to see it done right with all of this, what we're discussing, Skipper, of the organization being the key to Jared and Drew's success and the whole Honeybreak family and crew? Isn't that key, Skip, that we have these people out there that we can actually go and learn from on a daily basis just by picking up the phone or getting online and booking a hunt with them? We could literally advance ourselves in a matter of days, a three-day experience at Honeybreak. We can learn what a college education couldn't teach a duck hunter. You understand what I'm saying? And I was talking about that with the Wins brothers, uh, Carson and Zach, and how they have been 800 for years. Um, They're not hardcore at all in the waterfowl world, but just having two really quality experiences, the kind that you can have at hunting break, really seeing ducks be ducks at daybreak and everything done right instead of just seeing them flying by or on the water or whatever, um, creates an, a lasting impression that can absolutely hook someone for life. And the other thing you were talking about, walking creeks for wood ducks, when you just do the same thing in the same area forever and ever and ever, you can, you can get tired of it. You can lose a little bit of interest, certainly when you're a teenager and just got your driver's license, right? <laughs> um, going someplace like Honey Break and, and seeing it down at a whole, a whole nother level, as we say down south. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's, it, it can absolutely hook someone for life and it's critical. Plus, uh, plus you're learning to do it right, you know? Chad, you and I talked um, earlier about, um, how what's so wonderful about this sport is you never stop learning. You never could. When I hear someone like you guys talk about duck calls, um, it's just, it's mind blowing. You learn something every single time. Uh, Chad was talking about the different moving the fat in your mouth, the fatty parts of your mouth around to make manipulate the call. And I never heard that. I mean, it's, it's, you just never stop learning. And that's a big part of it. And 
when you get immersed in a place like Honeybreak, you can uh, you can learn a whole lot real quickly about how it's done right. Plus, I've never been there without having a, like a bonus good time. As hard as they work, those guides, I've often said I'm not tough enough to be a, a guide. And, you know, get up in the middle of the night, get up at four, and then scout till dark. They, Drew is always like a he's a he's a consummate outdoorsman and extremely um, competent in everything he's done. I see him do from from rattling deer and snort wheezing deer and things that I can't. <laughs> It's amazing. Or catching live hogs. Um, he always <laughs> is game like a big kid to go out and have a little bit of extracurricular fun, even if it's just just sitting there catching catfish off the dock or bow fishing. And all of those things are part of what people get get really hooked on the outdoors. And, you know, with my ADD, I love to do cast and blast and multiple things when I have the opportunity. And, and Honeybrick's amazingly unique that way. And they also have some youth programs they've been working on, Drew told me about last time. So they have the maybe a kid who's not there to hunt in a different time of year, they could show them wood duck boxes or something, create some interest in some other ways. They have an amazing opportunity though. Just trying to introduce them to the outdoors in a positive way. Let them know that we're not all, we're not all bad. Yeah. And I think that, you know, they don't, if they don't become outdoor outdoorsmen and women, uh, at least they'll become voters. They protect our way of life. Yeah. I love hearing that. And that's the thing is if you're going to be anti, at least be an educated anti, at least understand the compassion, the heart of a hunter, the conservation, the sweat equity. But the one thing about the gear and the one thing about honey break and being around a crew like them, Skip, what I get out of it is nothing. You can't take anything for granted in life, let alone, you know, let alone life, but in waterfowl hunting, like, is it easy to drive a four wheeler or a UTV like Drew and Jared drive it on the roads, the ruts, the mud, the hard ground, the soft ground, where to go, what, how to navigate that. Then you get in a boat. Is it as easy as they make it look, Skip? Is this sport easy? It is so difficult. I don't want to paint this picture like, oh yeah, everything that you see Drew and Jared doing on the Honey Break Experience on Realtree 365 is easy. It's not. Okay, I'm not saying that getting up in a tree stand and pulling back a bow like Michael Waddell does so vividly and keeping your composure and your breath and your breathing and sticking that arrow isn't that's hard as heck, too. But waterfowling has so many moving parts and honey break exemplifies every single one of those moving parts. And on top of that. They have to make sure that their clients are happy when they leave there. So the word of mouth marketing spreads, which it has like wildfire through our country over the last decade. So Skip, my point is, is, is it that easy to drive a boat in a four wheeler and be that safe in a blind and have that badass of a dog and have that blind bag so organized? It's not. It's about passion and love and preparation and vision and being able to visualize the hunt. And that's what Jared has showed me through my podcasting with him is that you look at Jared and you're like, well, man, that guy runs a dog. Oh, no, he doesn't just run a dog. Oh, shit. He's a freaking master trainer. Whoa, he's doing this with a duck call. Whoa, he's, he's that him and Drew can emulate the teal. Then all of a sudden the divers come in. They emulate the divers. Then they hit the whistle and then the sprig fly over. And it's, it's a pleasure to see all of these moving parts become so proficient as their oils are being thrown at that canvas that we talk about, Skip. And that's what waterfowling is to me, Jared, is a masterpiece of, he's showing me something. Did severe you, heat advisory. <laughs> severe heat advisory. So I, I, I think that I think that what we got out of it, uh, Skip, is you can have all the gear in the world, but if you're not organized and, and well thought out with that gear and, and know how to execute with it, like right now, I'll be the first one to admit that I have a lot of tools, but I am the most... Um, uh, 
is it unhandy? Well, you're a, you're yeah. a literary yeah. guy. You is it unhandy? Use them real well. <laughs> <laughs> you, I could take this camera out in this shop right here, and you would think that I'm either Tim Allen in Home Improvement, or I am Jesse James <laughs> making unbelievable yes. custom cars. I don't know how to do either one. So to, to, to be that all around Renaissance duck hunter, which I call these guys all the time, you guys have heard me say that that is so key. I've also, I've also, I've often said, man, I want to become a better boat operator. I want to become a better UTV driver. It's not as easy as you guys make it look. And that's and I why think, I think we've got some pretty good video of you at White Oaks trying to park the boat. Didn't <laughs> no, that was funny. That was, that was Prairie Wings. Did the dog finally get out? And that was the a motor. That was a bad motor. No, my Brandon Adams, our investor, Brandon, he goes, pull over. I'm getting out. Yeah, you seen you seen the the Senate, uh videos of people trying to back the boat down. Well, he got it. He's trying to get the boat back over to the dock, and, it, and he's spinning around. <laughs> and that's what I, I look. I look like Austin Powers in the eighteen I, point turn. <laughs> I've said this earlier in the in the deal here. You know, I said I think we got the, as strong a team as we've ever had. We all do great. And you said it while ago. I've probably had over the years of you know probably five at least guides that were great guides. But then when they would come to honey break in two or three days, they would say, hey, I probably need to go home. Yeah. What do you mean? It's too many moving parts here. I don't, I'm not good at running a boat. I'm not, I don't understand this mud. I don't know how to read water when I'm running through it. If it's real, I don't know how to read grass. I can blow the mess out of a duck call. But if the motor don't crank, I don't know how to fix yeah, it. And that's, and just, that's improvised. We've just grown up around that. And yeah. that's what I was getting to. A lot of it is if you've been raised up around. Right. Are you so it's, not so much, it's not so much that's, epic duck cutting skills. It's it's outdoors. So so it's if you gotta you gotta be a uh, a basic small engine mechanic. You gotta be a, a, a first aid. You know uh, CPR training. I mean you gotta uh, as far as the, the boat. I mean everything from the the regulations on the boats, you know, making sure your running lights work. I mean, we're hunting on private ground. It's not that big of a deal, but if we go to Catahoula or something like that, you know, if you're hunting public ground or whatever, you know, you, you got to make sure your running light is a higher than the top of the highest part of your boat. And there's all those different things that you got to have a throat cushion. You know, there's all those different things, uh, you know, and back, and back to what you were talking about earlier. So uh, us making it look good or, or making it look easy. You, you, a lot of times nowadays you see the, the public land hunters and they got you know, their and daddy's money with their new jacked up truck and their, uh, new war eagle boat or whatever uh, uh, duck boat they have in their in their uh, mud surface drive or whatever they've got, and just this last year, my nephews up in Monroe were hunting wham break, and there was a guy that left out of the boat ramp and his boat died, so he's in the channel, and it's and it's a channel. It's not I made mean, some marsh, but they got little you know grass on both sides of the channel. They come blazing around there in a new eighteen foot uh, mud boat ramps over the guy, just about kills him. They go. Wrecked the boat, and tore all the pieces of it with like brand spanking new. So it's, even even though you know the equipment is good, you still have to be a, a safe and, and a responsible operator. And, and I and I think that that's what I'm taking out of this is that you know you you haven't even mentioned what you're doing right now. Like I've seen Drew on dozers. I've seen you guys on excavators. I've seen you in dump trucks. I've seen you pulling 40 foot trailers with pipeline on it. I've seen you digging trenches. There, there this 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 lifestyle is so freaking awesome and special and if if somebody could come down there and just mentor you guys not mentor you but uh shadow you guys in an internship right yeah. like an apprenticeship program that's a better way to say it 
just think about that, Skip Knowles. If you could send two lucky wildfowl readers on an apprenticeship program to Honeybreak to learn that when they're shooting ducks like they're going out of style, like Hank Williams Jr. song says about catching fish like they're going out of style and whistling Dixie, that's what these guys do. But they shoot ducks like they're going out of style. But why? It's what's going on right now in June and July on excavators in 95 degree heat and heat warnings on his iWatch um, that I can't believe that true. I didn't even know that iWatches were in Louisiana yet. I thought that you guys just got well, color TV down there. We just we just got these last week. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, Skip Knowles? is like you watch TV and you see the success and the first comment that'll come to us is, well, anybody can kill them on private property and I'll be the first one to go, I'm very humbled to be able to hunt at Honey Break. I'm very humbled to be able to come down there and have the friendships that we have in be invited around and, and and meet somebody like Miss Shelley and learn how to eat cook squirrel. I'm very speaking of that. I, speaking of that, coming new this year. Did I send you the picture of the, the new honey break cracklings we got coming? Oh, you're oh. big crackling pot. But we just ordered this week. Ordered a new um, uh, tamale maker. So we'll have really? deer tamales, deer oh, tamales, yeah. and cracklings. Oh yeah. yeah. So. The, the overall the overall thing, Skip, is think about that of everything that they have going on. And, and I don't want anybody just to go, well, anybody could kill ducks there. No, it's about the all the work that goes in to making sure that those ducks even like what they see when they finally do migrate to that part of Louisiana. And these guys are going through from, from every duck blind and duck call and decoy spread and blind. From Canada from, down there. From Canada to, to the, the tip. It's, uh, you got to make sure your teeth are crossing your eyes about it and i think that the gear issue exemplifies that skip Knowles. is that when a reader picks it up i want him to have a mindset of if i buy that piece of gear that's not going to make me proficient with it it's not going to make me the best duck hunter in the world just because i can blow an unbelievable feed cut chuckle and a chatter and a comeback call and I won the I won the Louisiana State. That doesn't mean that I can do what Jared Moffat and Drew Drew Keith do. It doesn't mean that. I want I want the young people that that write into me and say, <clears throat> how do I get a job in that industry? How do I do what you're doing, Chad? The first thing I tell them is get educated, learn how to talk to people, learn how to network, learn how to follow through, shake hands, do what you say you're going to do. You know, really, really get into that business sense, and then you know, develop the skills of what it takes. Because if Jared had a shitty personality and he didn't have any social skills or people skills, but he could blow the heck out of a duck call and run a dog, he could probably get tipped a little bit. He could probably make a living being a guy, but because they're wired the way they are and they can do all of the things that we've talked about with this gear list skip, that's what makes this overall lifestyle and encompassing that we're talking about. It makes it so special to me is that you could take it for granted any day of the week and say, Oh, if you put me at honey break right now, Chad Belding in Reno, Nevada, if you put me at honey break for the 60 day season, I will throttle their butts every day. And that is not the case. There is so much that goes into that lifestyle skip that this magazine helps people get started with. And that's what the gear issue is all about is listening to this podcast after they read the magazine and know that, Hey, it's a never ending learning journey. You cannot quit learning. Drew is Drew is 40, my age at 45. Jared is, how old are you, Jared? 38? 43. 43. Skip, you're, you just turned 60. You just went on AARP card at Denny's. Skip. I've been on one, been on one for a long time. Man. Skip, yeah. Skip, think about how excited this conversation is. And we're in our 40s. 
Think about being 20 and just starting this journey right now and having this content available to give us a little bit of head start into this to know that the little things matter. The bandages for your dog and the extra set of sunglasses and the extra duck call. Think about how important that is, Skip, if we had this kind of mentorship back when we started. We were wearing, I, I started when I was 27 and I was nowhere near this, this able to get this kind of content. That's why the gear issue is so special and has become the Bible of duck and goose hunters. And I guarantee you that if you walk into Honey Break Lodge, you're going to see wildfowl in the lodge. Am I right, Drew? You're right. You're going to see it. So, so you I, have I have, you have to have magazines at, at Honey Break because generally after about 9 a.m. there's not a whole lot of <laughs> you've done the limited. That's right. <laughs> these guys, man, they do make everything look so easy and and it's deceiving. You can watch the show and think, I could do that. No, you couldn't. Not when you run over. Uh, you're going to, to replace the crop for the third time this season. And all right. kind of stuff. <laughs> but but it, and as important as that skill set is, the, the, just as important is, is having people skills. And I've seen that a lot on the fishing side. You get guys who are just murderously good fishermen, but they're hotheads. And they're so fiercely driven. What makes them good fishermen is being fiercely driven makes them impatient and bad people person. you got to keep your head about you. You were talking about how hard this sport can be uh, to master all the, the skill set they're talking about, being a small motor mechanic and everything. Hell, it can be very difficult just to walk sometimes. Down yeah. I've <laughs> seen it. Rider hunts and guided hunts and some guys, and a guy doesn't know how to react when a guy can't walk because the bottom's so muddy. One place was all like cratered and weird and guy right. fell in the water. It's freezing. And, you know, do you take him back? Or do you ruin everyone else's hunt? you got to have a, a different skill set than right. dealing with people. But, but as far as magazines, man, I love um, being around these kind of guys because magazines hinge on credibility. That's all we have. I can't put everything in the gear issue. You couldn't, you couldn't fit every duck call in one 180-page magazine. We have to pick and choose. But when you see these kind of guys with that skill set, they do it so much, and they're using something, you know they're using it for one reason. It works. <laughs> well, I think, I think you have a great segment right here, Skip, to ride on. I, I, I on, and I'm being for real. Is that you need to put together a section in September or October as the season gets maturing this year, in the fall, is the Honey Break backpack blind bag and what is in there because they covered We've it from about A to Z many times, even even going into to our, uh, um, you know, on, on our pro shop uh, website. You know, this is what's here's what here's what's in Jared's bag. Here's what's in Drew. You know, whatever, just. Taking the bag, dumping it out, and going through labeling all the stuff and, and what it is. And, and I think I think that you need to get that in the book, Skip, and online so people have an idea of what it takes to be successful. Because it's not about just a, a lanyard with bands all over it. Okay, I see a guy take that lanyard out and it's got a lot of bands on there. I love it. It's awesome. It tells a story. Don't know how you got them all. Doesn't matter. It's not my call. All I know is that there's way more to this lifestyle than that lanyard full of bands. And what they mentioned today is key. And we didn't talk about. A lot of the fun stuff, Skip. We didn't talk about a uh, Benelli. We didn't talk about how what we can do in these boats and these. I mean, we mentioned them, but think about it. We didn't talk about ammo and Benelli and and and, and guns and 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 the big stuff, right? We talked about the little intricate detail details of this puzzle. So I think it's a heck of a segment, Skip Knowles. I think that you should get with these two gentlemen and put together the Honey Break Experience blind bag and just let them talk about what little things it takes to to breed consistency because that's everything jared you cannot have one great day and bank your whole season on it because you're going to have some lulls man you're going to have them days where you're like man they got me and you got to figure out 
how to learn and be a sponge and take something out of that day. And it might be as simple as knowing that you took pride in your blind bag and your gear and everything that goes into your gun case and your preparation and your maintenance and making sure that the next day is better than today was. And I think that that's what Jared and Drew and the whole Honey Break family have truly mastered. And they're still learning, but I'm telling you, they have the... I don't know if there's a better place to go. I mean, I'm not afraid to say the top ones in the country. Here's the top three waterfowl guide services in the country. And I've been to one of them. Honeybreak, Habitat Flats, Hooray Ranch. I've never been to Hooray, but I've heard that they got it going on. Don't know for personally. Skip, you might. I've, I, I love what Tony Vandemore and the McCauleys have done with Habitat Flats. Huge, mad love and respect for them. Never been there personally, but I've been to Honey Break for the last five years, and I'm absolutely engulfed in the in the entire culture of what they have from Miss Shelley to Leith playing the guitar to, to Drew singing too loud to where you can't hear Leith on the microphone most nights. But I mean that. I don't mean to be, I didn't mean to be funny there. I'm telling you that those are probably the top three. And I've been to one of them, and this is why the success is there. So I might be onto something there, Skip. I might be off. There might be guide services all over that are just as good. I'm just telling you from personal you know, experience that Honey Break is at the top of that list. Would you agree with that in your experience, Skip? And if not, where, would, where should we go if not Honey Break? Now, um, that you're talking about places with the consummate pros. Um, and again, what I love about Honey Break is it's, it's an immersion in a whole culture, not just ducks. Um, there's so much to do and see down there. And yeah, there's that special something, something about the South too, from the food and, and all that. Uh, the, I just love the whole experience so much. But no, I, if I you don't have a good time, it's your own fault. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with your choices, but for sure. Um, I'm not going to let. Uh, Drew off. I know we're probably winding down before too long, but I'm not going to let Drew off without telling that uh, this is a pretty good example um, of the kind of thing that can happen down there that you're not going to see in Missouri or Kansas. He, uh, he heard a little noise under the blind one year, and every time they got in the blind, he kept hearing this noise. I'm not going to spoil it, Drew. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I can't tell that story like you. Huh? I know you need you need subtitles and to breathe and talk slower sometimes, but I couldn't match your story so I wouldn't want to try. Are you, ta- are you talking about the the bees that were in there? No, no the big ditch lizard. Oh, the, oh yeah. 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 Oh, the, the big, the big uh, alligator. You talk, Are you talking about... You told me... Yeah. <laughs> he had too many stories you can't remember. He said no. every time we all got in the blind... Are you t- oh, okay. I, you weren't with me. You talking about when I went and got in the pit no, blind? I wasn't with you. I'm just yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. We go, we go, we go get in the pit blind, and uh, actually, I, I had some clients, and I had, some, I had some other members that were in the blind. They said, "Man, uh, something going." And the water had come up. We have subfloors in it, and the water uh, was over the subfloor. Well, they got down there, they kept feeling something moving around it. I said, "Look, it's probably a beaver or something that got trapped in there. No big deal." I said, "Just when I get finished with my, my clients, we'll come over there and check it out." So. It's a it's a one of those twelve foot you know pit blinds and a four man deal. We go over there and of course the board floated up, which at the time we thought was a you know it was just the board floating up. But so I go down in the blind and aiming my gun and all that kind of stuff, and I thinking it's a, a you know a beaver or nutri rat or an otter or something like that. When I raised the four by eight sheet of plywood up, it was a seven foot alligator in there, <laughs> <laughs> and she was not happy to see me. <laughs> what what month was no, this? This was this was uh, had it been November because it was duck season. I oh. have no idea how long the gator had been in there, but it was rust colored, and and his tail had gotten caught under the um, 
the angle that the, the plot the subfloor sat on and it had actually wore a groove in the hide on the back of this gator. And so it was a, it was, it was a, uh, uh, what was that show with Tom Cruise in it? The, when he was <laughs> like anybody from Louisiana, then you killed it and ate it, right? <laughs> actually, actually it was November. So we had to let it go, uh, real easy. <laughs> uh, How did you do that? You know, we, uh, we got to get, we got to get right we got to it was yeah, yeah, not, not right. something you see every day. Not something Jared, you see every day. Either. Yeah. I mentioned that email that I get consistently. How do I get in this industry? How do I, how do I become a guide? How do I do what you guys do? I'm sure you guys get flooded with them. I see your guys as people that come into your booth at NWTF and they want, they're they're They want to be, Jared, they want to be Drew. They want to hunt every day. They want to. They want to be providing this these stories and success. What do you tell that's, them? That, that's the what difference, you, though. I want to say one thing. I let him talk to it. But one thing I wish that we could do to the kids nowadays that are coming up. And I mean, I could still. I still consider us kids. We just. It's just so, so to get out of bed every morning. In our minds, we're still twenty five. And uh, <laughs> you know, Jared and I started years ago because we couldn't afford to go. You know, when we were young, little kids. You know, his grandparents were farming, and my dad and uh, grandpa was farming and ranching and, and the store here in Jonesville. So we knew everybody. So all we had to do was go talk to them, and, and they would let us go hunt their property. We'd bring them a mess of ducks or bring them a, a, a quarter, a hind quarter of a deer or, or whatever, rabbits, whatever we were doing. And then as things started progressing, you know, people started leasing up land. What well, they started shooting up. By the time we get where we're driving and, and can go hunting places, you know, uh, we couldn't afford to go hunt the best places. We already hunted all the other public places or, or somebody's property that, you know, that might, we might've hunted as kids. Now he's leasing it out to somebody. So we started guiding and we got, we started guiding for tips only. And if you're guiding for tips only, we just, we were that passionate about it. We just wanted to be able to go hunt to good places. And if you didn't, if you didn't have a servant's heart, then you didn't get tipped, you know? And so it was, it was supporting our habit. That's how it started. And it, it turned into that kind of mentality is what I wish you know, the kids nowadays, they're so entitled. They're like, well, you know, I need to have a new mojo. I ran out, mine fell off the back of the Ranger because I was, I didn't have it strapped down and broke in the middle of the road. I need another one. Well, no, these things aren't, you know, <laughs> there's money exchanged for these things. Well, y'all get this stuff for free. Well, no, there's, there's something that there's uh, gear for exposure. No, I got stuff to change. So it's not like it's a, that's the, I guess that's the most irritating part is the entitlement, you know, thinking that, you know, it's uh, all this stuff is becoming easier, you know, for free and we'll just get another one. Versus, you know, if you if you have a servant's heart and and put that client first, you know, just like you're saying, how do I get to? Hunt? I want to go hunt every day. Well, it's not about you hunting every day. It's not about you killing every day. It's about that person. You'll better read that person and taking him and putting him in a spot where he can have a good experience. And that might be, I just want to watch the sun come up. It might be, I want to shoot one camera's back. I'm ready to go back to the house. It might be, I want to shoot one pintail. Let's go back to the house. It's like, man, you pay, you know, for six more ducks or five more ducks. That's not. That's you got to know what they're there for. You know, and, and being able to read that and understand that it's not about you, it's about them. And and if you do that, have that mindset, and have that have that work ethic, then uh, then you can be successful. At it. Any any kid, I would say, uh, find somebody, uh, whether they're in a guide service or whether they're the best hunter that you know or best outdoorsman you know, spend as much time as you can with them. You know, in your in your teens, uh, to see how they do it and why they do it before you start trying to go somewhere. And uh, we can run an ad. On on uh, monster anywhere any of the, the job websites and say we need it. we're looking for uh, hospitality and uh, somebody housekeeping 
and we'll get 1,400 guides saying, I'll do, I'll clean toilets, I'll do whatever, just so I can get the guide at home. But, well, that's not what we want. We, we want the best guides, but we also want the best toilet cleaners and the, and the best hospitality people and the best uh, kitchen people and the best uh, uh, house staff. You know, uh, We don't want the guy that's don't even make his bed when he leaves in the morning being there saying he's going to make our beds. <laughs> no, it makes total sense. And I think that that question is asked so much that I don't know if people want the truth, Jared. I don't know if they want you to say, well, if you can blow this a duck is, call or if you can run a short read goose call, come work for honey break. And you just said it yourself that I would be so intimidated if you and drew called me tomorrow and said, Hey Chad, if you mind taking a year off of the foul life, we want to hire you as a guide. I would, my first thing would be like, heck yeah, honey break every day. Miss Shelly squirrel. Heck yeah, I'm in. But then I would go, Oh shit, wait a minute. I don't know if I would embarrass myself a little bit on if a boat motor broke down or if I had to, if I had to, if I couldn't get out of the ditch when I ran the four wheeler in there, the UTV, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot that goes into it. So think about that, Jared, when you answer that same question that you just did. And also on top of it, Skip and I have touched on this is that we truly are in the golden age of duck hunting. I mean, we have innovation in clothing that lets us stay out there longer from, from thermals to, to, to layering. It, it's not the, 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 the oil cloth pants every day and get soaking wet and have to be out of there by 10 a.m. We could stay all day. Shit. We have the best guns, the best ammo, the best boats, the best motors, the best trucks, the best, the best dogs, just, dogs just, have evolved. Just the boats and motors have been able to get to the spots that you couldn't get to. Yeah, you, you can access. To. And we're in the golden age of duck hunting. Plus, there's a lot of birds in the flyways right now. Dicks Unlimited, Delta, California Waterfowl, all Safari Club International. All of these conservation agencies have done a heck of a job in sweat equity. The, the, the duck hunter itself and the licenses and the duck stamps we buy goes back to the birds. Jared, all of that in mind, how do we become Jared Moffat? We can't be 43 years old and still love this as much as you say you love this. It's absolutely impossible. Skip doesn't even love it as much as you. I think that you're pulling wool over our eyes, Moffitt. Uh, you just, it's, it's, the way that it is, is I tell people, I had to, a young man coach, I want to be a duck guy. I said, this is this way in duck guy, dog training, really anything you do in life, the Lord or whatever, but you find you a mentor and a mentor that knows what he's doing. And you be a sponge. You watch and you listen to everything he teaches you, taught you, tells you. And if he's the right mentor, he's going to tell you the right way to do it. And you don't second guess it. You may question it and say, well, why this way instead of that way? And he'll explain you to it. You know, we get guides all the time. Well, what if we did it this way? Well, 99% of the stuff at Honey Break, we've tried we it. Tried. <laughs> we and can't tell you what to do. We tell you what not to do. This is the way that it works. And we've had a lot of success doing it this way. And we've tried it just like today. We just discussed it earlier. Today we're doing drawdowns. We're getting water out. We're spraying herbicide. We're spraying insecticide. We're killing red vines. We're killing broadleaves. We're working for desirable seed. We're out there looking at mud flats. We're cutting grass. All we're of that's fertilizing, going fertilizing, on. We're fertilizing the sunflowers. We're fertilizing duck blinds. And it goes on and on and on for just Every day, like I said, a big piece of fighting. Well, you get in that man's pocket, like I try to take my seven-year-old son every day, and if he learns one thing of just yesterday was riding around showing a man's sunflower fields, and what made me happy about that day was he said, that's my sunflower field, because he helped me plant it. And he said, that, that's where we're going to hunt. That's my sunflower. And another boy that's working for us, a great new guide we got doing the deer management and this and that. And he said, but I'm hunting it with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it's just being a sponge and learning. And I learned that in the dog, in the dog world in the last 
10 years. I've always had my first finished dog 26 years ago. And this and that, what dogs, duck dogs, and dogs that I thought were super nice then are not nice compared to the dogs we've got yeah. now. But I, I upped my skill and I went to, I had a great mentors then. But as you were saying earlier, it wasn't stuff online back then and what we're talking about now. If you didn't know, if you run into a problem and you didn't know how to fix it, wasn't able to make a phone call, you just beat your head against the wall and said, how do I fix this dog that's popping or, or cheating or just goes on and on, thousands of things. Well, if you got a mentor or just like a man called me an hour and a half ago and said, hey, what about this millet? It's a little muddy, this and that. Well, you don't get it in there today, it's not going to peg and sprout. Because right. it's 106 it's degrees, it's, it's going to be dry tomorrow morning. It yeah. needs to be slushy. So that's what I thought. I can't do it till Monday. Well, you just you might, might, well wait and <laughs> you might as well wait and drill, plant it or whatever. But it's, it's mentors. And I can go to a piece of property somewhere and I tell guys all the time, you can come to Honey Break, but you won't outkill me because you want my dirt. You want my dirt that I've been born, raised in this area. And they say, you may day here a day and there a day, but you've seen that the first couple of years you come in his eyes up, I tell you what to do. And you'd say, well, yeah, but we got to do this. Well, I'll be out by the time you get started. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. But it's our dirt, and I have guides come. They say, well, this is the way we do it now. Well, you're not in Kansas no more, as Toto said. <laughs> you want our dirt. Listen to me. Yeah. I'm mentoring to tell you how it works here. Me and Drew's did it, or this older man's did it. He's farmed this piece of property for 45 years. I can read it in that book and say, well, the book says do it like this. But he failed 15 try times or more or over 50 years doing it that way, and he knows the right way to do it. So the best thing to do is that phone call to him stop, stop and him. say, hey, when is the best time to do this? And from experience – He's going to say, this is the best time to do it. And that goes for duck hunting, farming, Anything. whatever. You know, it's having the right mentors, the right people. And we said all the time in the guide business, we want three great things. And we want great hospitality to honey break, great accommodations, and great duck hunting. And that's what we try to have, you know. And we talked about it earlier. I've had friends of mine that wasn't the best duck caller didn't eat it, sleep it, and breathe it, walk around every day like I did, thinking how to make something better for duck hunting, think about how to make it easier to put the boat in, take it out, better place to hang your waders, easier place to put your mojo. Their switch turned on about November the 1st, but there was people, person, person you know, they people, could get people. a lot of people, loved them. You know, they told jokes in the blind. They they just had a great relationship with them. And I would have clients, and even today, call back and say, I request him. And they may have killed 10 ducks that morning, and I shot 42. They may have killed 60 in three hunts or four hunts as on, and I'd limit it every day. But they loved that guy that because experience. of their experience with them. That's what we have at Honey Break that I have two farmers, I have a chemical salesman, I have a commercial fisherman, I have a, just a true, you know, we all love duck hunting, but when these clients come, I can say, well, this man here's coming, and he's a chemical salesman, and this and that, and this and that. he's going to fit great with you. This group here's coming, he's going to fit great with you. This guy big in the offshore fishing. Right? Next yeah. thing you know, they're, they're buddy hunting in the blind. They're not just there on a guided trip, they're buddy hunting, and they become friends for life, like we have, and everything else is it's the, the. But the reason that you're, the, the, but the reason that 
the, the reason that you're successful is that everything that you just talked about, not once did you mention your blind bag of the gear in it. Everything down to the finest detail of those extra bandages for a cut on a dog's leg because he got wrapped up in something or hit himself on the way out of the blind is why you're able to have that passion. That is just exemplified all the way through every step. Now, with somebody that works as hard as you and Drew do on the dozers and what you just named off what you're doing right now with the pesticides and spraying and mowing and fertilizing, you could take a break, right? You could cut a corner on your blind bag, Jared Moffitt, and say, ah, we're covered. You can't. You can't. And and that. That's what this, this whole deal is. You can't cut a corner. This is my. This is the goal of every guy that I hope it works for. So I tell them when that client says, "Hey, you wouldn't have any of such." Sure do. <laughs> sure you know, do. You mean you mean you got that in it? Yeah, we got it. You know, I mean, it's just if if they need it. It should be that. We should be able to cater to. I love it, man. I absolutely love that place. What y'all have done, I don't even know if it was in the cards when you first signed on. I would like to go back to that first meeting when Drew said, oh, yeah, I think we could take that acreage acreage over there and turn to this. And the owners went, really? And then now where it's come in 2020, like un-freaking-believable what has been done on that piece of dirt, like special. And not to mention – the entire ecosystem and sustainability of what you guys provide for wildlife in that area, what you've given back to the 4-H, the future farmers of America, all of the military, everything that you've done for the Department of Wildlife in Louisiana, easements, what you've done for conservation and giving back land for this study and letting biologists come out. There's so much that happens on that dirt that has way more to do than black cloud going through a mallard duck and ended up on a barbecue grill that goes into our bellies to feed us at night. That is the icing on the cake we love it we're not going to apologize for harvesting a few of these ducks here and there but everything that comes out of it if that was documented the right way then people would look at it and go you know what hunters are freaking rad and that's an awesome word jared moffett rad you remember that word i'm rad that it rhymes with my name i might not be rad but i'm telling you what you guys have done is rad and i think that it needs to be told because that is not seen enough there's so much more than that strap being full of dead ducks. And I know that that's what gets a lot of people off. And I get it. I love to kill. I'm not going to apologize like I just mentioned. But what you guys do bigger than that is really what's going to hook people and go, you know what? This is freaking unbelievable what Moffitt and Drew and all of your families that have sacrificed you guys being gone so much of, of working that ground. And for what? Not to kill a duck. It's to live this lifestyle. It's giving back. It's, 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 it's being able to have Skip go, holy shit, man, look at what's going on on that piece of God's dirt. And that dirt could have been condominiums. It could have been a swamp. It could, I know you've told me about the water levels and how naturally it would come through there, and that's why the ducks like that area. There's, not, there's no, no telling what that ground would have become if you guys didn't get your hands on it. So that's what I love about it, and I'm going back to the beginning of this conversation that everything detail, every detail down to the T of that blind bag shows the big picture. The big picture success comes because what's in that blind bag and that backpack is organized on a daily basis. And I know that that might sound tacky to some and, oh, Belding, you're just saying that. Trust me, if you start there, that's how you get in this industry. That's how you become successful. Become a sponge. And even when you fail, even when the good Lord and the duck, do- the duck gods don't do it right for you that day, take something out of that hunt. Keep a smile on your face. Stay optimistic. Go back to the lodge and figure out a recipe. Figure out a new lick on your guitar. Figure out the- how to run a dozer. Go train a dog. 
take something out of that day at Duck Camp because there's no better special place in the world from Paris, France and the Eiffel Tower to the Colosseum in Rome to the Amalfi Coast in Italy to Argentina. There is no better place in this world. I've been to all of them, not all of them, but a lot of them than Duck, Duck Camp America, Louisiana, Honey Break. There is no better special place on earth than Duck Camp. I mean that. That's the, that's the truth. And you could put that in writing, Skip. You should write a story on Duck Camp America. I love it. It's true. You're, I love it when you get that evangelical tone going. It's the natural. But you're absolutely right. It's, it's completely um, circling way back. It's supposed to be fun. We get in this because we enjoy it. It becomes almost a religious passion for us. Um, but at the end of the day, it needs to be fun. And the, the greatest thing about duck lines, of course, is the camaraderie and the laughing and everything. And gear is fun. It's exciting, you know. When you thumb through the gear issue and you see all the different possibilities, you wonder what will work. Or you see something you've never seen before. Like I saw a choke wrench I just put in the September issue that has a like a real handle on it. So for speed, it's just gear is fun. It's exciting, you know. And um, this whole experience is supposed to be exciting. We talked about a lot of stuff that's kind of intimidating today in terms of mastering that skill set. But it all should circle back to having a good time and getting people excited about it. I agree. Well, I, I will tell you this, Skip Knowles, is that we've had fun at Honeybreak, and it's went into Tennessee. It's gone into phone calls. It's gone into family. I know I, I've been to Drew's birthday parties for his kids and fish fries. I have Jared and his wife and his baby were there. I've been there when Leith Lofton is torn down and John Party is saying songs. They got Riley Duckman Green down there. They got athletes down there. They have military down there. I was down there hunting with the head of, of 4-H, uh, Dr. Uh, Tossan. I've been there with experiences that you you just got to, you got to pinch yourself, Skip Knowles. You're like, wow, that really just happened. That did not. I just ate squirrel with Shelly. Like Shelly just cooked squirrel that she shot out of her trees on her property, and I can't get enough of it. And we or, had Troy. She might have ran, ran over it with a car. She might have roadkilled it. But we've had Troy Link there, the biggest jerky company in the world. I mean, the guy doesn't. They they're enamored by it. I mean, I think Drew was even going to go turkey hunt with Troy Link in South yep. Dakota this year because we, of we the got, quick bomb. Yeah, then that corona come on. So, guys, I appreciate it. I can't wait to get back down there. I know I know it's it's getting close to September. It seems like we were just in Nashville yesterday. It seriously does. Like NWTF yeah. literally has been 5 months ago already. Isn't that not crazy? I think, I think they closed down Nashville after we left. <laughs> right after. They had to. They had to, but what a big time we had Brent Cobb. What a freaking night that was. So, guys, I appreciate it. Skip, you got any closing words? A big thank you to Honey Break. Drew Keith, Jared Moffitt, everybody down there at the whole Honeybreak family. Thank you for doing what you do for our brands. And, um, you know, you guys represent brands in, 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 with the utmost respect. Great ambassadors and voices. You know, any, the most any, fun thing about these podcasts has been able to see these, all these faces like Zink and Tony and, and uh, Drew that I haven't seen in the offseason before. It's really, really fun. And I, I've enjoyed it. I appreciate the opportunity to spread the, spread the gospel on the gear issue and, and build that excitement moving towards the season. And you guys really made me take a hard look at the reality of my blind bag and my, my 10 items. I tend to look like water, hot tea, uh, toilet paper, <laughs> jerky, big bag of Cheetos. Oh, yeah, spare duck call. And I'm really going to look at how, how I get myself organized. And I'm going to come through the gear issue and have some fun doing that. But you, yeah. met, you guys really made me miss the hell out of Honey Break, too. I didn't even know um, how, how that place worms its way into your consciousness. And I can just I can see the whole hog spinning on the roaster. And just it's a, it's a really neat deal. I hope to get down there. And see you guys again. You do it. Make it happen. I accept. <laughs> oh, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'm a. I'm. I'm what they call the adopted son of the South. I. I. I, I, 
I, I gave myself that name, but <laughs> you cook grits. I can cook grits. Grits, instant. probably instant grits. Grit. <laughs> instant grits. Jared Moffat, any closing words? No, it's just it's just like anything else in life. You're gonna go further if you're passionate about it. Love it. Love what you do. I don't ever wake up no more than I hadn't yet that I'm not wanting to go to work. You know, I'm rich every morning. Right with the Lord, rich at what I do at my work. I love my coworkers, and we're a great team. And uh, you know, I tell people all the time. You know, uh, have guides all the time. You know, it comes well. They killing this over there. They killing this over there. We don't worry about that. We got one group of people in here. We're gonna take care of, and we're gonna give them first class. And that's our clients that's in our lodge, and that's that's who we ready to take care of. And that's who we're gonna work hard all year to get ready for the duck season we're gonna put everything we got into it and when you come you're gonna be there for a four-hour hunt or a three-day hunt or whatever but you're gonna enjoy that hunt but what you're really paying for is all that work that went on that we just discussed right here from drawdowns to mechanic work to working on equipment to changing oil and boats and motors to drawdowns to planting cereal grain to managing the wrp and moist soil and we're building blinds and thinking all year about how can we make this experience the best that we can do, make it a little bit better from last year. And you look at the numbers and you say, that's hard to top. That's hard to top. But every year we just want to get a little bit better. If it's just one improvement, when, when you show up, I want it to be one thing better than it was last year. And just as long as you can come there. I mean, we'd like to, we'd like to every year something to be different. You know, like, like if you went to the amusement park, it was the same rides every year. You know, Hey, I've ridden that in five years. Ago, I really don't want to go back again. So it'd be, the little things, we add more boathouses, you know, putting the carpet down so that you're not getting your feet muddy. The observation tower, you know, just the different things that we try to keep adding, adding to. It. Always new. And I wanted to, I wanted to congratulate both of you on reaching the hundred duck milestone. You guys killed over 101 ducks last year for the whole season. And I yep. wanted to be the first one to say, congratulations. Triple digits. <laughs> I don't Did even you. want to talk about the harvest success rate at honey break because it's freaking awesome. But, um, we only, we only cleaned 8,306 ducks last year. <laughs> Did oh you hear goodness. that skip? Did you hear it that? Not, it's not just, um, that it's the kind of ducks, man. I was there with Buzz Hazen. He caught this F-16 freaking canvas back Drake humming in, and the photo was just spectacular. It's, it's the quality of the ducks, too, man. It's incredible. Some of the best sprig, sprig mallard and canvas back footed until, I mean, if now, and I mean this, and me and Drew could talk off camera on this, and we'll talk in private about it, but I will call him out, is that he gets really excited with teal. I, I have a little bit more patience, and I kind of understand what the feet down and the wingtips are doing when you call the shot. And Jared has even looked at me sometimes in the blind and go, Belding, you need to be calling the shot. But we don't we don't say that to Drew. We want him to be over there with his hat on and, and the dog whistle and all that and doing the thing that Drew, that, that Drew Brees, the quarterback, Drew Keith does. But he knows that I need to be calling the shot on those teal groups, Skip Knowles. And I'm going to start. I'm going to start taking a little bit more authority when I'm down there. And um, and, well, and I try and, to let the first ones light on the water so Chad have some success, and then you know <laughs> then, then we can start feeling off. <laughs> you don't want to shoot at ducks on water at Honey Break because you will hit a decoy. You will hit a decoy. You will hit a decoy. Drew Keith, Jared Moffat, Honey Break. Thank you very much for everything you do. Not just for myself personally, our crew here at the Foul Life, Bandit, Realtree, Benelli, Federal, you name it. But on top of that, what you do for the birds, conservation, 4-H, military, everything as a whole. You guys engulf the lifestyle. And like I said, I'm proud to be your friend. I'm proud to get the welcome and the, and the invite to come down there. I do not ever take it for granted. I love it down there. 
Skip Knowles, do you have any closing words before we sign off of the 2020-21 gear issue hunting accessories episode of the Foul Life Podcast? This is closing number three. I just, uh, I just really think that the takeaway here is focus on consistency, having fun, and that you're going to have more fun if you're organized and get your gear exactly. together. Exactly. And get prepared ahead of time. We talked to Vandemore earlier about that today, and he's like, when you're earlier in your career, you, you have your bag packed in June. Um, as you get more involved in it later on, you're, you're often scrambling for something the night before. But it's oh, worth yeah. the effort. You're going to enjoy it more. And, and uh, we could all stand and get a little more organized, I imagine. Hey, man. That's Foul okay. Life. Tom, hit that button. This is 2AM Logic. The song is called My Foul Life. Thank you all for subscribing to the podcast and supporting the partners and sponsors that support us. We will have more coming your way with the 2020-21 Wildfowl Gear Issue. For Skip Knowles, my co-host, Mr. Jared Moffitt, and Drew Keith at the Great Honey Break Lodge in the great state of Louisiana, I'm Chad Belding. This has been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you all very much. <laughs>